With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with Michael Lombardi and Patrick Maher on VSIN. the Lombardi line as we welcome you in here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. We're brought to you by BetMGM. Patrick Maher live from the VSIN studios here at the South Point. Michael Lombardi there in Jersey. So uh, we were just, what, three days away from the trade deadline. Wanted to bring this up quickly. 76ers head of uh, basketball operations, the president there, Maury, reached out to the Brooklyn Nets uh, GM, Sean Marks, right? So he called him up. I guess this was a couple of weeks ago. And Maury said, well, what about James? And Marks responded, responded, James who? Because the Nets do have James Johnson and James Harden. And Maury said, James Harden. And Mark said, no. Now, that this is the conversation that you and I had a little bit yesterday. Simmons for Harden, is that in the works? I don't see at this point, if you've watched Harden, now he is banged up. But the idea of not moving on, they've got to change something there with the Nets. They absolutely must change something. They've lost eight straight now. Well, I think that conversation was, I believe, on January the 13th, and a lot has changed since then. We are now, you know, February the 7th, and I'm sure that the Nets have been able to see Harden's lack of defense or lack of intensity on the defensive end, and it could be related to injury, but we've seen this before with Harden. I think the fundamental question you've got to ask yourself as an executive, as a fan, is you want to pay Harden the Supermax contract for the next five years and have it buttoned up guaranteed? Obviously, Maury doesn't have a problem with doing it, but Maury's going to have to get rid of Tobias Harris. He's going to have to shift Tobias Harris off to the Oklahoma City Thunder, hoping they'll take that bad contract. We might call the Oklahoma Thunder the Oklahoma Elton Brands because all his bad contracts are headed up over there. So uh, so that move has to take place. I mean, it certainly can fit within this year's cap, but they get over the luxury tax when they extend him. So, you know, I think what we're seeing is a lot of posturing. And I think both teams are very good at playing the media. You know, there's a direct link between what we read in the paper that comes from sources unnamed, or as Art Modell used to call, Saul Source, you know, the, yeah. the guy who picks up, you know, anything comes out of it. But, I, I mean, and the 76ers are basically saying, we're not interested in doing anything that doesn't meet what we want, which they have to say. And the Nets are saying, we're not going to do anything that we don't want to do because we're going to sign them to an extension. I think whoever gets left holding the chair of Harden for the five-year extension is going to regret it three years from now. You know, I just really think they are. I totally agree. And they're going to win the the day. They're going to win the day. It's funny. You know, I'm writing a chapter on – Great, the trades of the National Football League. And, and I was writing this morning about the Herschel Walker trade when Mike Lynn, the general manager of the, of, the, of the Minnesota Vikings, really put together a unique package and shipped it on. When that, when that trade was first consummated, the Vikings were, were thought to have won the deal. 
you know, because the year before, Herschel Walker was one of 10 players in the National Football League to gain over 2,000 combined yards, 1,517 rushing, another 500 receiving, and he was the missing link to their football team to give them a legitimate running back, and the Vikings, after him having one day of practice and two and a half hours on the practice field studying 12 plays, took the field and went off. But to me, as that trade went on, it became obviously poor for Mike Lynn and poor for the Vikings. And so, and great for Jimmy Johnson to rebuild his football team. This is what I think Harden's contract's going to look like. It's going to, you know, it's going to be whoever signs him is going to say, well, we got a great player. But do you have a great player three and four years down when you're paying him all this money and you're going to have to liquidate the team? Is there a chapter on Ricky Williams and the Ditka trade? I don't know if I'm going to write that one. I mean, the, the first one that I've written so far today was I, I'm going to write the Herschel Walker deal, but I want to break them down a little bit so people understand the point of view of the trade, right? It's so easy to look back in history and judge it from the lens of today without understanding what's going on during the period. I mean, so the first trade I wrote about was the John Hadle trade that went to uh, from the Rams to the Green Bay Packers, where the Packers, it's called the Lawrence Welk trade. And, and that's because when Lawrence Welk would start his show, it would be a one and a two and a three. Well, this trade was a one, two ones, two twos and a three. And that's what, and they traded John Hadle for those, all those picks when Hadle was the backup for the Rams and Ten day, and, and, and 10 days earlier, which is fascinating, Hadel played against the Packers and looked horrendous. And he got benched by the Rams for James Harris. And James Harris went on to be their starter. And then yet Dan Devine, who would leave after the season to become the head coach at Notre Dame, makes this trade anyway. You know, it, you, nobody can speak on this better than you. It's cutting your nose to spite your face. I want to get into the free agents and the quarterbacks, but... As far as this draft class, so teams are going to start talking themselves into Malik Willis. They're going to talk themselves into Pickett, you know, Carson Strong and others. Next year's draft class is awesome. You know, Stroud and Young and Richardson, the kid you like down there in Florida. So it's a much better class. But, yeah. but it, it, it comes down to if you're a general manager, well, you can speak to this. Do you have a coach coaching for his life and his job? Like there's so much that goes into can we wait and be more fortuitous next year with our with with drafting a quarterback, or do we have to go now to sell our fan base something? It's a fascinating kind of conundrum. Well, if the guy can't play, it's not going to help you anyway, right? right? It's yeah. like okay, we drafted we drafted Kellen Mond to replace to replace uh, Kirk Cousins. If he can't play, did we really draft him to replace? I mean, he can't play. And I think that's how you have to tell. I mean, I was talking to a guy in the league yesterday who got, just got back from the Senior Bowl in the East-West, and he's like, there's no quarterbacks in this draft. I mean, you know, the kid from, the kid from Liberty's probably going to take a year to get ready. He may go first. You know, Pickett looks like he could be. He's got very small hands. You know, he looks like he could be a, a backup. And are some of these guys better than the players that they already have on their team? That's a real hard question. That's a question you can only answer. Just because they're new doesn't mean they solve the problem. And I think you, we know quarterbacks are going to get fixed. I mean, Desmond Ryder, what he did at the Senior Bowl is kind of what he did during his career at Cincinnati. There's enough to really like, and then there's enough to disappoint. It's just not consistent enough. And that inconsistencies make you worry. I mean, look, remember when the – when the Brownies drafted uh, Kaiser from Desmond from Notre Dame, oh, they got a steal in the second round. They still didn't have a quarterback, you know. Yeah, if you 
if you have to talk yourself into marriage, you're probably marrying the wrong person. If you have to talk yeah. yourself into a quarterback, my goodness, like I, it, nothing special from Pickett, Corral, M- Willis. No offense to them, but this is a big step up. And next well, year, you do have, I mean, you know, Young from Alabama. We mentioned C.J. Stroud, who had a great year there at Ohio State. Richardson's a freaky talent. Like, you do have higher upside coming out next year in the college draft. Yeah, but you know how it always goes is nobody wants to talk about next year, right? Nobody wants to, you know, but you've got to be, as a general manager, you're going to have to talk about next year, and you're going to have to talk about, uh, you know, how do you plan to, to bridge this team? And this is why... I think the Raiders made a huge mistake before the whole Gruden thing fell apart by not drafting a quarterback. They took Leatherwood in the first round. They overreached for Leatherwood. They could have easily had, you know, a quarterback so that they could prepare themselves for the inevitable, what are they going to do with Derek Carr? It's the same thing in Cleveland. What are we going to do with Baker Mayfield, you know? Like, are we going to, you know, we can't get rid of them, but we really don't want to sign them. And those are dilemmas, and we're seeing more and more of this. Yeah, the Raiders number, by the way, here at the South Point for 2023 Super Bowl. I'll give you that right now. Their number, if you want to take a stab at it, you can take a guess. Um, Raiders number would be 25 to 1. Okay, you're very close. 30 to 1. I kind of like the vibe. I love the DC that he brought in. Uh, McDaniel seems fired up about the gig. He does, he was very complimentary of Carr, so I would imagine that is a union that they're going to try to make work, right? Is that the assumption? No doubt. They have to make, I mean, I mean, look, you've got to make it work. It, 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 you, you, it's the Art Modell theory of hiring once again. There's 50 things Carr does really well. There's three things he does bad. If you get rid of him for those three things, the guy you're bringing in can't do 50 things good. So you're going to have to, you're going to, have to love the one you're with. And that's what I think they have to do with the Raiders. They, there's as much as you say, get them out of here. You know, one of the things that 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 creates bad trades is the whole notion of get them out of the building. Well, let's just get this guy out. We got to get rid of him. And that that's and when you do that, you make a bad trade. And when you make a decision like that over a player, you're going to make a bad decision. Give me a quarterback you scouted that ended up being a disaster that to this day surprises you. I'll start. Heath Schuler. Okay. <laughs> Heath Schuler at Tennessee. I swear to you, I don't know why. I just thought he was going to be a baller. He, he very much was not a baller. You know, the guy that I thought was going to be a really good player, I kept walking around the Raiders facility saying, you know, why is Leftwich a first-rounder and, and Rohan Davey not? Like, to me, Rohan Davey <laughs> is better book. than Leftwich, right? <laughs> and I kept saying that. And what I learned from that mistake was both of them weren't good enough. Like when you compare a player to another player and the player you're comparing isn't good enough, then you're, you basically have two negatives. And so you, this is the problem with the Hall of Fame is you're sitting there saying, well, if this guy gets in, then this guy should get in because he's better than him. Well, if he's not really worthy, why are we comparing him to that guy? This is the mistake that goes on with all. That's why when you don't have a criteria, you can't make good decisions. That would be the one that jumps out to me immediately. And I mean, the one that the one that resonates the most is we had a scout in, in, at the Raiders, Angie Koya, who passed away. He's from Northeast Philly here, 10, 500 meter guy, went to went to the Citadel, then transferred to, to USC. Without, he loved Roethlisberger. We had the second pick in the draft. We didn't take him. 
See, Roethlisberger is an interesting case because at Miami of Ohio, he was athletic as all get out. Especially right, played he, in that, he was very, he played in that, in that shotgun, yes. that spread. And we weren't really ready. We, we didn't do a good job evaluating that situation very well. I'll say that. I thought he was spectacular in college. Now he's playing against lesser competition, but he just, he, he, I think people, if you, if you asked a 20 year old, what do you think about Roethlisberger's movement? They wouldn't know that he was an athlete coming into the league. Yep. He just became, no he became sedentary. Okay. Yeah. Um, there is a guy, and we don't have a coach in New Orleans, but we have a quarterback that is a free agent. I want to ask you about him. And then also, what can the 49ers get for Garoppolo, and where's a likely landing spot? Plenty to do as we continue here on the Lombardi line. What are we, six days out from Super Bowl 56? Can't get here fast enough. Excited for it as we continue. Also, Josh is going to join us coming up in just a little bit as well. Come on back. It's VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. You're listening to the Lombardi Line on VSEN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. You know that VEASAN is the best place to get all of the betting insights for the big game. And right now, you can sign up for our free. Again, this is free, which is killer. Big game betting guide. Betting insights for the big game. Trends, strategies, props, tips from the experts. They've worked their butts off for this. You're going to love the betting guide. Go to VEASAN.com slash Super Bowl to get your free betting guide right now. It's VEASAN.com slash Super Bowl. The biggest betting action of the year. We're going to have you covered. We've got so much coverage. Again, we've got the help desk set up at vsin.com if you have any questions. You know, sometimes new bettors can be a little intimidated to ask. Don't be intimidated. That's what we're here for. So go to vsin.com and you can send in your request at the help desk there. We might even get it read on the air 
or answered over at vsun.com. So strategies, prop strategies, hedging, all of that up over at vsun.com. Okay. To further, and Michael Lombardi there, to further illustrate the quarterback conundrum, let's use Washington yeah. as an example. Okay. So Washington eventually, and you've talked about it, he, he, he's over. I, I don't want to get it. What happened with Ron is – you know, he had cancer, so we always have to start there. And he's battled, and he's certainly Rivera's supposed to be a really good guy. But he's got to win in year three, Michael. They need a quarterback. Yeah. How about Jimmy Garoppolo? He's 30 years old. He's under contract. But then they'll draft somebody. So you kind of get into this tenuous spot of Jimmy Garoppolo's going to want a long-term deal, yet they don't look at him as the future. You see what I'm saying? That's a weird stopgap situation. And, and I think you have a lot of teams that are going to be interested in, in, in Garoppolo. I mean, I read the report, well, the Jets are interested in him to be a backup. I mean, like, that's a great no. – that was a great column. Like, seriously, like, you know, the, Jet, the San Francisco is going to have a lot of teams that they can compete against one another for Garoppolo's services. And I think where you get a little bit of a desperation here is, is a team that needs a quarterback badly, that kind of needs to save their season moving forward, is going to look at this draft and say, well, you know, we have the 20th pick in the first round and we're not going to get a quarterback here. So would, is it worth it to trade our one for Garoppolo? We're overpaying for it, but at least we get the guy and we know we have him. I think that's what San Francisco's holding out to do. And I, and I think there's enough teams – in this league that are so desperate to get a quarterback, I mean, you know, some are kidding themselves and thinking they have one. Some are, some are not. But, you know, when you when you break it down, that's why the Lions are going to resign. You know, they're going to keep Jared Goff because it's who else are we going to go to? The Falcons, you know, is are they going to keep Matt Ryan? You know, is he going to go into that pool? You know, what's Indianapolis going to do if it, they know Carson Wentz is where he is? So, I think this. I think Denver. You know, they've got to fix their quarterback situation. Where are they going with that? There's some teams that just can't really function next year if they don't fix the quarterback position. And, you know, the, the Bucks, for example, now, you know, they got to. The Saints, where are they going? You know, Carolina's got some issues. They either got to make Sam Darnold play better or they got to find somebody else. You know, the whole South doesn't have quarterbacks. So what San Francisco's trying to do is to create competition, whether it's Denver, whether it's you know, uh, uh, Indianapolis, it, you know, Carolina, some other team, Washington, that can then cr increase the value. Pittsburgh can increase the value of Garoppolo in terms of a trade. The pendulum has swung so much on the narrative surrounding Jimmy Garoppolo that, to me, you can do a hell of a lot worse. Like, again, this can be debated. I'd take him over Goff. I know I'm probably in the minority. Uh, I'd take him over Darnold who you just mentioned, no offense to what's happening in Carolina. And then that brings us to Jameis Winston. Now there's been conversation, potentially him going back to Tampa, obviously with Tom Brady retiring. I don't know if that's the case, but he is a free agent. How about Jameis? Well, he's got value because he started games. I mean, you know, look, when Mike Lennon can continue to get jobs in the league, starting games does matter to some of these teams. And, you know, I, I would suspect that Winston's going to have a, a value. Now, how much value? I don't think a lot. You know, in terms of is he going to get $30 million? No, of course not. Is he going to get $15 million? I doubt that. But will he get a contract with that will pay on the come? I, mean, I think he probably will. You know, what's Marcus Mariota going to get? When you look over these quarterbacks that are available in the marketplace, right, and you see, their, and you see who could be available, and, you know, and then when you look at it and you say, okay, where are we going with this? Is, you know, would we rather have, I mean, watch, Mitchell Trubisky is going to get action. You know, 
Gosh. Mitchell Trubisky will get out. You say gosh, but you know, I mean, no, you're right. There's just not a lot of them. It's a He's dearth of get talent. Action. It's a it's a position that is so valuable, and there's a dearth of Marcus talent. Marcus Mariota, Mitchell Trubisky. These two guys are free. They're free. They come with no cost attached, and so you know, free as we all love is is better than paying a higher price for say a Garoppolo. You know, and what quarterback is going to get traded right now? If you're if you're if you're Chris Ballard and you're sitting there in Indianapolis and you have Carson Wentz, and you love Ellinger, but you know Ellinger's arm strength and his ability to play over 16 games may not be good enough. Where are you going? And where's Watson going? I mean, that's the other one that we have over here on the side. Is what's? Are Watson you hearing anything about Deshaun Watson? Nothing. Not a thing. Nothing. Yeah, I haven't Nothing. either. I and I don't think we're going to for a while. To be fair. I mean, the idea that I think there was, that's a February that's a February conversation. Yeah, the idea that there there was some that thought he might be involved in the league this past season was incredible. No, that wasn't happening. But uh, as this gets deeper and deeper, it's so convoluted, and the league has there's a lot that goes. It's a it's a very delicate situation. You know the irony: 2015, one and two drafted Winston and then Mariota, and now at what 28 years old, they're both. Teams are wondering journeyman. if they should take a flyer on them. They're journeymen. I mean, that and, and Mariota had the camp mislabel attached to him. You know, the one that I, I you got to give the Eagles a lot of credit for for making the Minshew trade. And and again, I don't think Minshew is great. But if you said to me Minshew Baker Mayfield, you're gonna I'm thinking about that. And if I have to think, it's closer than you than you think, right? And so give them credit. They have to, and I'm sure that they probably think they can flip Minshew into something else especially considering that they paid so little for him. And Jacksonville just gave him away. They basically just gave him away for no real reason. I mean, you know, they really didn't have a reason to give him away. Take a shot at the Philadelphia Eagles 2023 Super Bowl odds. 25 to 1. You just nailed it. Congratulations. 25 to 1 here at the South Point. Um there was, you know, the Saints are in such a predicament because that's it's a real salary cap wise. It's a tough situation. They don't have a head coach. Are, are, are you hearing anything? Their quarterback situations in flux. Did Bienemy do well? Like, is there is there a, a, an, an end coming as far as their head coach search here soon for the Saints? You, you would think so. And I mean, you would think it would happen fairly quickly here this week. I would suspect by Wednesday of this week, you'd want to get something because if the Texans do in fact hire Lovey Smith and move forward with that, then you're the last one remaining and you want to align your assistance. Now they've been limiting their assistance to go out and talk to people. So we'll see what that happens. I mean, Mike McDaniel's going to start to get his staff going. You know, would think Lovey Smith would start. So all these assistants are going to be jockeying for positions. So I think that it would make sense to get this done so that you can and kind of have a give you a couple of weeks to prepare the combines at the end of this month. That's another thing that you've always discussed, and it's not overrated a head coach, but underrated is the staff he can put together. McDaniel's yeah. direct tie to Shanahan seemingly would limit him as far as putting together a pretty robust staff. Yeah, well, I mean, he's going to have to, but but remember now, in Miami, he already has a defensive staff. That's right. In they place. kept it in place. That's, a, that's they a, kept it in yeah. place, so he doesn't have to worry. It now he's just got to make sure he finds a line coach, which is going to be critical to him. A line coach that is well versed in his system, right? So when Salai went back to to the Jets, you know, Kyle allowed him to take his main line coach. 
and let him become the line coach. And he promoted Forrester, who was the basically the assistant. And Forrester had been with Kyle for years. He had that problem in Miami, kind of cleaned himself up and has become much better. But I think ultimately, you know, that's going to be the key hire for Mike McDaniel. Where is he going to get a zone uh, a Kyle Shanahan disciple in this offensive line, which is absolutely critical to the success of what he wants to do. Mike McDaniel in there with the Dolphins. I did. You mentioned Salah. I saw his, a clip, him talking about everybody that talks about McDaniel. It, they go on and on and just flower him with praise. Salah said he's a genius. So, and Salah obviously worked with him early on. I think down in Houston when they were both kids. And Salah was talking yesterday about McDaniels and said he's a genius. So, And Kyle Shanahan's a pretty bright guy. He brought him with him every stop along the way, Michael. Everywhere, yeah. So, I mean, obviously he, he has great respect for him. And like I said, I mean, he's developed himself as a person and as a coach over the years. I didn't realize – is my man that was uh, had the issues down in Miami, I use that lightly – uh, is he in San Francisco coaching the offensive line? Is that he what is. he said? He, he is. If he can too. turn it around after that video surfaced, anybody can turn it around. And he got it going. I mean, he's an outstanding football coach. He had some personal issues in his life. Hopefully that they've got that squared. He's got that squared away, but he is a really good line coach. And that's something they need to improve. I think there's no doubt. If you basically break down the 49ers, their, their inability in the offensive line to really control the game has been the biggest problem. But, Shanahan's going to be super paranoid about McDaniel. He's going to be like, you're not poaching my staff. You, He's you not hipster. taking Forrester, I can tell you that. He's not taking Forrester with <laughs> you, you little hipster. He was already in Miami. That's where he had the problems. Right? <laughs> yeah, no, he, he ain't going back to South Beach. That is persona non grata for my man. <laughs> I think he got a little too much fun down there. Okay, we continue. Josh Applebaum joins us. If you don't know what we're talking about, just Google it. It'll, trust me, it'll be fun if it's the first time you're seeing it. We come back. Josh next here Lombardi Line. Listening to the Lombardi Line on VSEN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. Okay, if you're getting ready to watch the big game, we want you to make sure that we are involved. This is, again, our sixth annual live big game betcast. We've got from now until the game over 56 hours of free video coverage. We've just got so much going on right now for this big game. I know behind the scenes, we've got meetings going on after the show with our buddy Matt Santos. So we're going to have you covered. We're going to be here Saturday and Sunday for the Lombardi line. But on top of that, uh, coverage 24-7 here on VSIN, vsin.com. So, again, get ready for the big game. For everything you need, go to vsin.com. Michael Lombardi there as we get closer and closer. I, again, I, I know that people keep killing the matchup. For me, yeah. it's like I can't get enough of this matchup. Uh, co coaches from All the coaching tree. I mean, there, it's yeah, it's, there's nothing. I mean, the, the compelling story is Cincinnati's been outstanding. I mean, they found ways to win three games when perhaps they may not have been the best team in the three. You could argue they were favorites against Cincinnati, against Oakland, against Las Vegas, excuse me, but the other two they weren't, and yet they found a way to win. So give them credit, and they burned their way here. They just Nobody gave it to them. No, absolutely Nobody gave not. it to them. No, absolutely not. Josh Applebaum joins now. Market Insights is the pod. VEASAN.com slash podcast. One, two, three, one, two, three. Josh Applebaum. <laughs> we finally got hockey back. Just a couple of games today, Josh. Oh. But we're going to start here with the Super Bowl. Everybody's betting Burrow to win the MVP, correct? 
They really are, Patrick Michael. Great to be with you. Super Bowl week finally upon us here. So just want to get Michael's take and, and kind of, you know, dive through these numbers that we just got from BetMGM. We got a fresh batch of data here. And I think, you know, from a high-level standpoint, you know, when it comes to Super Bowl MVP, it's one of the most popular prop bets that the public gets down on. Uh, and really, you know, if you think about it, it's kind of a chalky award. If you go just the last decade here, guys, seven out of 10 of these award winners have been quarterbacks. Seven out of the 10 award winners also were plus 500 or less. So if you look at pretty much who that equates to and who that matches with, it's obviously your two quarterbacks here, Stafford and Burrow. But really what we're seeing here is a big uh, percentage of bets and dollars on Burrow, kind of a sharp bet split. Burrow's getting 18.5% of tickets at BetMGM for Super Bowl MVP, but he's getting 30% of the handle. Wow. So that really tells us that some of these bigger wagers, yeah, Patrick, are coming in on Burrow. You know, Burrow's kind of in that spot that Tom Brady was in last year where, you know, Mahomes was like Stafford, the favorite. Brady won this award last year, plus 190. So Burrow, you know, if you're getting plus 210, shop around, you might find a better number there uh that would be uh kind of your match here and guys I think the whole point is like you know we all want to cash like you know julian edelman from a few years ago in that 13 and 3 game he was 25 to 1 you know von miller's 50 to 1 obj's 25 to 1 mixon's 35 to 1 but if you try not to outsmart yourself too much it's typically the uh quarterback it's typically you know one of your two favorites here and michael burrow is really taking in a ton of the bets and dollars well, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, if they're going to win, it's going to be because of Burrow. It's going to be because of the kicker. I wouldn't be surprised. You know, they don't give it to kickers. Even Jim O'Brien made the the kick to win Super Bowl five for the Baltimore Colts. He didn't win the award. So, but if you if you want to say truly, and who is the MVP of the Bengals uh, this year, it, you would obviously you could argue that it was Mc, it's been McPherson in the playoff run for the amount of kicks that he's made. You know, we've talked about it earlier in the show. It's it's just remarkable that he is, you know, he's got 13 field goals he's made this year, you know, and the opponents have only made six and there lies the difference. I mean, they've only, they are only outscoring their opponent by 13 points and yet they have six more field goals, which, you know, six, that's 18 points. So it's, it's just really been his ability to make a difference in the game, which aligns with who is the most valuable player. Well, Certainly it is. I mean, Vinatieri didn't win it the year that, that he made the kick to beat the Rams. Uh, Brady won it. So it always comes back to quarterbacks. And that is a perfect segue into Josh's <laughs> prop for McPherson, which we were discussing a little bit earlier. You're going to go over the one and a half made, right? Yeah, that's kind of a perfect segue here, Michael. You kind of stole the words right out of my mouth. I'm looking at McPherson as a prop bet. That's kind of one of, my, one of my early prop bets, guys. McPherson, over one and a half field goals made. So shop around. Uh, I got a minus 145. We're showing minus 150. Remember, we're in legalization now. There's different books, different numbers. No matter what you like, shop around, get the best number. But, Michael, you're totally right. Fifth-round pick out of Florida, had a great regular season, has been unstoppable here in the playoffs. He's 12 of 12 in terms of field goals, 4 of 4 against Kansas City, 4 of 4 against Tennessee, and 4 and 4 against Vegas. But I also think it's important, guys, when you're betting these props, don't just bet it because the guy's doing well recently. Like, map it out in your brain how this is going to work out. My thing here would be, number one, you're in a dome. So automatically in a dome, perfect conditions for the kicker. Number two, the total's falling in this game. Open around 50-ish, we're down to 48 and a half. Does that mean when we get to the red zone, maybe we're going to have some more threes instead of sevens? So that would portend to, hey, McPherson getting a couple kicks here. Uh, and then also, you know, looking at this spot, a guy who's playing well in a dome, in a total that's falling, to me, that shows value on McPherson. Michael, I'm on the over one and a half. I think you can get us uh, two or more field goals here. 
You know, I, I kind of agree with it. I like it. I think to me, you know, he's made so many kicks. He's been their guy. And so why not? You know, I mean, I, I, they're not going to all of a sudden just become this incredible scoring team. Uh, you know, they have struggled through the red zone. So I, I think there's no doubt. I mean, why not? One and a half isn't a lot. I mean, he's got 13 kicks in three games. And you know, that's a lot of they, kicks. And they just have confidence in them. So if there's that tweener that Taylor's de- debating the confidence coming in on him making them. Like you mentioned, going into the half on that 50-plus yarder. I, I I agree, fellas. I think over one and a half. You're going to pay juice. You're going to pay 155 now on the over. Um, so for new bettors, 155 bucks wins you 100. But I, I think two field goals. You mentioned four in each game, Josh. Okay. We, one college game, it's a top 25 matchup. I, I'm glad that you have it on your list here because we got Thomas's take, we got Will's take, and now let's get your take on Kansas traveling to Texas tonight. It's Kansas laying a point and a half, Josh. Yeah, so I would mention real quick, you know, Texas kind of would be that hazmat contrarian play, guys. But in this sort of situation, you have a lot of indicators going to Kansas. Now, number one, this game flipped kind of dog to favorite toward Kansas. Kansas Open actually getting a point here on the road at Texas. We've seen the line now flip to minus one and a half. So even though it's kind of a big public play, you're also getting some respected money that hopped on that number a little bit earlier. Also, one thing, guys, I dialed up, you know, our two ranked favorite or two ranked teams. You know, does the edge lie with dog or favorite? Well, it's, it really re- relies on the favorite here, guys. Two ranked teams going head-to-head. The favorite's almost 60% covering this number. Uh, you have Kansas, who checks off a lot of boxes offensively, averaging 80 points a game, only 68 there for Texas. Field goal shooting, 49% versus 46%. Rebounding, 37 boards a game versus 34. So part of me is like, you know, you could get down on Texas. I don't fault anyone for grabbing, you know, one and a half here in a, in a contrarian inflated spot. But the money's all going toward Kansas, guys. Kansas is playing great. I'm on Kansas here laying the minus 125 on the money line. I think that's three for three now. The lean, (laughs) I think it was, Michael. I think the lean from Thomas was Kansas. Will was Kansas. Will Hill was Kansas too, yeah. And and now our buddy Josh Applebaum, Kansas. Okay, we've got an NBA play from a man. Let's go Raptors-Hornets. Hornets Hornets lost Saturday night at home. They continue. They stay at home. They lost uh, Saturday night against a Heat team that's getting healthy. Here comes Toronto. Toronto playing better basketball as well. Toronto open one. Josh, where are you sitting now? Yeah, we're getting movement here to the Raptors, Patrick. As you mentioned, Raptors, a very short favorite, only laying one. Public somewhat split slightly into the Raptors here, but we've seen this line now creep up to one and a half or two. So it's always notable to me when you have a very short opening number, you know, what's the initial move? And does it jive with, hey, is there any buyback or does it continue to go kind of in that direction? It's all been toward the Raptors here. And this is kind of one of those plays based on recent performance. You like what you see out of the Raptors. If you look at the Raptors, they've won five straight. Scotty Barnes, even though he may not win the uh, the rookie of the year, probably going to go to Mobley. He's a guy who's really putting it on and kind of filling the stat sheet here. Uh, you look at the other spot um, with Charlotte. They've lost four straight. So you have a, a Raptors team playing well, a Charlotte team who struggled a bit here. You also have a rest advantage. Uh, you have Toronto last playing the fourth versus uh, the uh, uh, Hornets there on the fifth. And I'm really banking on the defense of the Raptors. They're 16th in the NBA in uh, defense efficiency. You're 22nd for the Hornets here. So I'll go Raptors. Uh, I'll lay the one and a half. I like the way they're playing, and I like this movement in their direction. You, I think you mispronounced Cade Cunningham's name when you talked about rookie of the year, <laughs> who, who is starting to, and yes, I'm a loser that's watching the Pistons, but I'm telling you over the past two weeks, he's starting to take over games and he yeah. is, he, it, what do you have his number, Josh? Do you have the rookie of the year numbers in front of you? Sorry. 
I can pull it up. Last I saw it was Mobley, but you're totally right. Cunningham's been great, Patrick. And I know we're going different directions here, but how about your uh, your number one overall pick in the NFL draft? Uh, you're seeing some movement here toward Neil Michael. I know he's that big offensive lineman from Alabama. It was Hutchinson Thibodeau, you know, 1A, 1B. What do you think about Neil? He's been getting a lot of run. Makes sense kind of protecting, uh, you know, Lawrence down there. Well, I think obviously, you know, it's going to be position position specific and it's early and it depends on who they hire as their line coach. I mean, just say hypothetically, Doug Marone returns to Jacksonville, which I think is a good chance could happen as the line coach. Well, Marone coached the kid from Alabama. And obviously that's a great insight for the, the front office of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Plus they need to fix this offensive line. I mean, we know that, you know, could they use another rusher? Well, they've been drafting rusher. They've got Kaysan. They've got, you know, Josh Allen over there, which if they play Buffalo again, that'll make Scott Hansen tremendously happy when Josh <laughs> Allen sacks Josh. Well, I won't go there anyway, but I think they have those rushers. So they definitely need a left tackle. Cade Cunningham, six and a half to one is what Suggs. Ben Santos tells me. Suggs has been playing Suggs. great, too. It, the, the rookie class has actually been quite good. Josh, uh, yep. oh, one thing we do do know, Jacksonville, there's going to there's be a lot of ice cream sold in the Jacksonville area <laughs> as Doug Peterson is in town. Let's go get some ice cream. Josh, thank you, buddy. Appreciate it. Thanks, Josh. Thanks, guys. Market Insights, betting across America. We continue Lombardi Line. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. You're listening to the Lombardi Line on VSEN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. Okay, the association tonight and BetMGM's great partnership. Simply place a $10 Moneyline wager on any game. If either team hits a three-pointer tonight, you're going to win 200 bucks paid for in free bets. This is for new bettors over at BetMGM. Just go to BetMGM.com or download the BetMGM app. 
And when you do, use the bonus code VSIN200, V-S-I-N 200. So again, a Moneyline bet for 10 bucks. If anybody hits a three-pointer, you win $200 paid for in free bets. Also, M-Life Rewards, redeemable for room and dining when you bet through the app or through betmgm.com. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. It is issued as a free bet. If you have a problem, it's 1-800-GAMBLER. Okay, it's a Monday here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. This is the Lombardi line. Michael, I wanted to bring up a game uh, tonight Mm -hmm. because, look, for me it's fascinating, but for the general audience it might be Miami at Washington. So this opens Mm -hmm. seven. It's down to six. So that would maybe lend us to believe Washington's getting bet a little bit here. I don't know how you bet Washington at this point. They're one and seven over their last eight. They're zero and five, their last five at home. Beals missed the last three, by the way, on Saturday, they lost 95 to 80 to the Suns. The Suns rested all their starters. They were up by 34 as the fourth quarter started. Can you 34 points? Now I understand it's the Suns. It's the best team in basketball, but the heat are as healthy as they've been all year. They got Lowry back. That's eight assists a game. And, you know, we're seeing the number come fall back a little bit. Washington's way. This is shocking to me. <laughs> well, I mean, Arisa, did you watch him when he played against the Sixers? He couldn't miss. I mean, yeah, I it was no, Kuzma. I'm, I'm sorry. Kuzma. Kuzma, miss. Kuzma is, he, yeah, 16, a point, 16 he, points a game. He yeah. couldn't miss. I mean, so if you watch that, you could say, well, heck, give me the Wizards and I'll take the six and go home. I mean, the Wizards are a 500 team at home. At least you could say you have that going for them, you know. And against the spread, they're 12 and 14. So you got that going for you. They played, you know, they want to play a, a slower style. They only average 106 points at home. So, you know, but I, I to me, this NBA is so unpredictable. It's you, you just can't get a handle on where this is going to go. And, and the Heat are playing much better. I think there's no doubt about that. In the last 10 games, the Heat, you know, they're four and one at home. They're just two and three on the road, but I think they are playing better and they're getting some continuity. And the one thing about the Heat that I think is important to note as we move forward is they have played pretty well against the East. They're 21 and 12 against the East. Yeah, absolutely. And the Wizards, I think sometimes this can kind of loom over a team. They've got so many pieces, you know, Montrez Harrell, and I mentioned Bradley Beal that could be moved by this trade deadline. You mentioned Kuzma. Kuzma's been the one solid. I mean, he's been steady for them, but they've just got a bunch of pieces that really don't fit. And it's an interesting team because they started off the year so well. I believe they started 7-2 and two to start the year. And now, as you mentioned, what are they, 24 and 29 at this point? No. Excuse me. They are 24 and 28, the Wizards at this point. One and seven over their last eight. So here comes now, again, you're not as into the heat now that you've pledged your allegiance to the 76ers. No, I still love the Heat. I still enjoy watching the Heat. I think they play great team basketball. They, they they center their team around their defense, and I think that as the year goes on and we improve, as they improve their defensive effort, I mean, right now they, they haven't been to where they give up over almost 105 points a night. I think that'll continue to get better as the year goes on, as they play with some continuity. I think one of the things that's hard to judge this NBA, Patrick, is the lack of continuity from, week to, from game to game. Yeah. I mean, you don't even know who the hell's going to start. I mean, it's just really, it's a challenge to even know that, you know, and you've got to be prepared for that. You know, tonight there's what, five games in the NBA. Tomorrow there's a bunch more, but you know, it's always challenging to see who's playing and who's not. Well, I'll give you another example. It's a great matchup on paper, Phoenix at Chicago tonight, Michael. So this number yeah. open Phoenix lane six, it's up to eight. The Suns are just so locked in defensively. And you, we talk about effort 
you know, the fact that they, whether it's in the half quarter transition, the Suns have just been awesome, both offensively and defensively, frankly, but they show up every single night. And then the question marks, the Bulls, who are, you know, the fifth best record in basketball. Now they've lost two of three. Levine probably continues to be out. Kobe White probably continues to be out. So they're a little thin right now as far as roster. DeRozan, remember, they lost to your Philadelphia 76ers, um, what, yesterday? No, two nights ago. Yeah. Was it Saturday or was it Sunday? It was Sunday, wasn't it? It was last yes, it yeah, was just yesterday. yesterday. And I mean, think about this. Uh, DeRozan 45 and Vucevic 23, and they still lost. So no, they couldn't get anything out of their bench. Yeah, I mean, they, they couldn't just, get anything so out of their bench. They're so thin right now. And Philly shot really well. I mean, Philly, when Philly starts hitting those threes and they can space the court, Embiid had 42, which really helped. And Maxi comes in with his 18, and Tobias, I think, had 23 or something. So they played pretty well. I think the one thing about the Bulls, which is why the line, I think, is moving to the Suns, is because they're beat up. They're just not their same team. And if you look over the last 10 games, they're 3-7. and seven. So they're in one of those, they can't get their roster right in terms of getting everything going. Yeah, and the Suns have won 12 of 13. Getting healthy, a few games back, they got Aiton. Aiton was tremendous on Saturday in the win. So, again, just wanted to note that number has jumped from the Suns open six. They're bet up to eight in Chicago. But to Michael's point, Chicago, will Levine play? My guess is he won't. I don't think Kobe White's going to play. So they're a little thin right now, Patrick Williams and others. Um, the, oh, did I meant to tell you this as far as when we were talking about the coaching hires. How about, and you could do a lot worse than this in New York, if you're uh, Dayball, they're going to interview Wink Martindale. Yeah, they are. I, I think they, they've already had a Wink Martindale interview. I, I think that they've done Zoom calls. They've got more interviews to do this week. I, I think Steve Wilkes will come in, interview, and uh, you know maybe Jim Schwartz will even come in and talk to them as well. Uh, they've done a lot of Zooms calls, and then they move to the next phase. So I think Martindale's going to have his, have his chances. Certainly there was talk about Jacksonville. And there was talk about uh, there's a lot of interest in Martindale in Minnesota. So he'll get an opportunity and pick one of those places to go to. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think the surprise was that Graham left and that opened up the giant job because everybody kind of thought Graham was going to stay on. And, and this gives Martindale a chance to get back into being a coordinator, whether it's Minnesota or the Giants. May I ask you, because I haven't looked into it, Deflategate has been trending today. Is there a reason Deflategate is back in There's the news? There's something that came out. I don't know. There's something that came Look, Deflategate was a complete, complete, and I've said this since day one, a complete fabrication. It, it was a complete story that was generated out of nothing, and, it was and, it, and the mythology continued because the worldwide leader generated the story and they could keep promoting the story, you know, and, and we lost a first round draft pick because of it in a million dollars. And there was really, there was not, I mean, remember this, the story was that there were the, the, the 10 footballs that they took or the 12 footballs they took there. They said 11 of them in a, in a, in a column on Monday morning was, were all bad. And then when they found out they weren't, I mean, it really was, it really was something that all of us in the Patriot building were like looking around saying, what, what is this? What is going on here? Like it made no sense. It still makes no sense to me at all either. About seven years ago, Deflategate, the, the stories that are, pro, are, are starting to perpetuate on social are favorable towards your Patriots and Brady. And so 
I, yeah, I mean, it was a non-story. I said it then. It's like, you know, we just, we are so caught up in the moment. We are so caught up in the actual moment that nobody really gets a chance to view the whole thing. And the fact that they ruled down on that, the league office, the commissioner did, and took away a first-round draft pick and a million dollars from uh, Robert Kraft's bank account, to me is without really any proof that, that the balls were altered or that the balls had any effect on the game. I mean... Like, you know, I think we were up 17 to 7 at the half and it just steamrolled them in the second half when, and the, nobody had any visual evidence of the footballs or any of that. So it, it kind of was a, a non story. That was always a non story as far as I was concerned. That became as, as we can, as because the way the media is, a, uh, the way the media is, they can continue to, to, to continue to spread a story even when there's not a story there. And a story that doesn't look good for the Saints and Alvin Kamara. This is one I forgot to bring up. So Kamara is allegedly being charged for battery that resulted in substantial bodily harm here in Vegas. Uh, after the Pro Bowl went out, got into some sort of scuffle and uh, has been arrested here in New Orleans. Not a good look for Alvin Kamara. No, no, not a good look. Not a good look for the Saints. And look, let's face it. I mean, you're in a city where there's a lot to do. We know the game isn't very taxing. You've got to be really on top of, of your behavior. And these things are going to come out. And I think it's important. And if you're a team and you've got players going to the Pro Bowl, you want to make sure your team guy's there too to not only say be the parental guardian, but also remind the players that this is not a place to just – to do whatever you want to do. Do you buy into that, the idea of players being titillated here? I mean, either you're a good dude or you're well, not, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. But you, there also is, to me, you're in a situation where it, it, Belichick would call it the trifecta, you know, where there's a lot of things pl coming together that pull players to and, – and, and people try to entice players into doing something, you know, into, into, be, into their behavior. And you've got to be mentally tough not to, not to uh, fall privy to it. Okay, Michael, enjoy your Monday. I encourage a daily coach, by the way, that great article Thank today you. about the head coaches Thank you, Patrick. and some of the data and maybe thinking about it a Big little week. bit differently. It's enjoy a huge your week. week off. Enjoy your couple of days off, Patrick. Okay, we'll, we'll talk Thursday. I'll see you on Thursday, buddy. We got a big uh, super. You. I think, yeah, what do, a big game coming up on Sunday. We'll, we'll have plenty of coverage. Of course, we'll be here on the weekend, Saturday and Sunday on the Lombardi line. Odds on is coming up next with the mall and Mike. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.